Hello everyone, welcome back after a very, very long time to The Watchful Night's Weekend Review. My name is Ishiv, or at The Watchful Night on Instagram, or just Watchful Night on Letterboxd. So, the format of this one is going to be a bit different. I'm just going to go through the movies that I watched <laughs> in the past month to, to reset us all, and so then I can start properly next week when I actually do the proper thing. So, there will also be a movie to keep on your radar, and then the five movies to watch when, depending on how much time it takes to just broadly go over the movies I watched this past month, um, it'll just be the, my top 10 of 2022, um, with, uh, we can make it my top 15. And so, yeah, I know it's been a while, so do let me know what you're liking, what you're not liking, so I can improve the next episodes. So let's get started in terms of, I think the last time I recorded a an episode was after I did my lynch binge, um, that rhymes, and so now we are going to talk from December 10th to today, which is January 21st. Okay, so oh, um, I watched Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, it is the best animated movie to come out this year. I haven't seen the latest Puss in Boots, um, but I assume this one will be better. And yeah, it was kind of a weak year for animation. Some things about this movie didn't really click with me. I think the songs were kind of misplaced. Um, the stop motion animation is amazing. Yeah, so it's a good movie. I would I would watch it. Then I watched Adaptation because I just watched Being John Malkovich and I wanted to watch another Charlie Kaufman movie. This was kind of underwhelming, but also exactly what I expected from the movie. When it start, I really liked um, the second half better than the first half because the first half was, you know, the movie trying to find itself, and I get it. Like that's the point. The whole story is Charlie Kaufman trying to figure the script out, and we're witnessing that happen. But still, felt a bit aimless to me. Um, Nick Cage is amazing. Uh, all the scenes without him are more boring. And yeah, it was nice to see Brian Cox as an angry screenwriting teacher, which was good. Then I watched Martin Scorsese's After Hours. Um, I really, really liked this movie. I thought it was very entertaining. Also, like, super interesting. And it's totally something that could happen to any of us, but how his night gets worse and worse because of a series of unfortunate events. And for some reason, the editing and the cinematography are so good. They're they're really good. I love the score. It has a great 80s vibe to it. Um, a lot of Kubrick references. And yeah, the whole... I, I wrote my Letterboxd review and, and my review on Instagram that this whole movie is like the night bus scene in Prisoner of Azkaban. And so that's what you're, expect, that's what you're experiencing the whole movie. I did think it took a little time to get started. Um, but when the movie is 90 minutes, you don't really care. I know I'm going through these very fast. So then I watched Raw, Julia Ducournau, I believe is how you print Ducournau. Um, no, a cannibal movie. Surprisingly, this really, really worked for me. Um, I think because it had such a grounded message in terms of peer pressure and hazing and makes a lot of the shock and awe earned versus something that's just there to, to be gross for the sake of being gross, 
I think the music is really good. I think the lead performance by, what's her name? By Garance Morelier, I think that's her name, um, was, was really good. Um, but a lot of the stuff that happens in this movie needed to happen a lot faster. And the ending, while it was really good and definitely something that you didn't see coming, it could have hit a lot harder. Um, just It was like very rushed over at the end. Um, maybe that was the point, but yeah, those are the things that I don't agree with me for this movie. Then I watched my favorite movie that was released in 2022, The Banshees of Inna Um, It's extremely compelling, it's very funny, heartbreaking, um, amazing dialogue, really, really great imagery, and of course the performances are awesome. After this past year, Colin Farrell has become one of my top actors. And yeah, I really loved this movie. I think it like narrowly beat out everything everywhere all at once, um, just because it's a lot more tighter, a lot more tight in terms of what it's doing. Um, of course, with the Martin McDonough movie, you'd never know whether you should be laughing or crying. And that kind of gets to me in this movie. But other than that, Banshees of Inna Sharon is a great, great movie. Okay, and then the day before my last exam, just to get a study break, I watched The Incredibles. I can't really offer anything that hasn't been said already about this movie. I love it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's an extremely, extremely fun time because it, you know, simultaneously perfects the superhero and the spy genres, which both which movies in those respective genres haven't managed to do as well as this movie, which is really interesting. Um, the pace is awesome. The interest, the characters are super interesting, and the action, the action is great. Um, the um, one, my one complaint, and I noticed it more this time I watched it, is that it needs more comedy for a Pixar movie. Um, f- to the point where sometimes I refrain from watching it as often as I can because there's not enough comedy in there. It's just putting on a simple action movie, but it's a it's a great movie, and I hadn't seen it in a while. Okay, so on the plane ride back, I watched to, to Dubai. I watched three different movies. Um, I rewatched Nope because I feel like I was kind of unsatisfied by the ambiguity the first time I watched it, and then this time I watched it, I think I was I was ready I was ready for what and when and where the movie was gonna go. So I was more a bit more respondent to me filling in the blanks. So I did end up liking it better, but I still think it's just like the entire first hour and a half is just them setting up cameras and like the, it's no way a knock in terms of the significance of the film, but it's just a lot of time that's wasted in my opinion. Um, also wanted to see way more of Steven Young's character that that's he's the by far the most compelling part about the movie and the Daniel Kulia Kiki Palmer duo is amazing they're so good together and yeah they really deserve a lot more attention maybe not from awards but in general okay so then I watched after Yang um so 
what I really liked about this movie, besides its amazing opening sequence, I showed my whole family that. I was like the most excited to show my family that after my flight because it was just so wild and so entertaining. Um, but I will say that the biggest selling point of this movie is that it's a science fiction movie about AI, about humanoid robots and stuff. But it takes a really nice positive outlook on it and, and actually shows how it can reconnect us to what it means to have connection and what it means to be human rather than being the run-of-the-mill, like, dark, sinister outlook um, on AI. So that that I thought was really great. And then um, it's directed by Kokonada and, you know, he has a great aesthetic. Um, like, if you walk into a home decorating store that was made by a minimalist and by a Japanese guy and like somehow melding those two aesthetics together that was this movie um but this this movie just felt too much of like let's just sit here and look at memories like it didn't seem like it had an so the inciting incident um is that when Yang um the humanoid robot robot starts malfunctioning and then he shuts off for some reason and they have to search through his memories to see what the reason was and thereby learning more about the way he learned and stuff like that so to me it was just the memory exploration thing is both used a lot and in this case it was just a bit boring um and then there's only like one interesting development that happens midway and then the rest of the movie is just kind of there um, but I, I did like it. It was very different. So I would recommend it. So just to recap, I would recommend every movie I've talked about so far. So then what else I also watched on the plane is Bringing Up Baby, 1938 Catherine Hepburn movie directed by Howard Hawks. It's a really, really fun time. Um, the, co the comedy is great. The first half is amazing. It's I think it goes in the best places with its absurdism. Um because there's some reason a tiger or a jaguar in this movie and that's great and the chemistry between Cary Grant and Katherine Hepburn are, is really good the second half I think it just gets tired of itself I feel like they run in circles literally and figuratively with um, the movie and I think the laughs are more dependent on like people falling down and stuff like that instead of those that are met with even more snappy dialogue. I'll still recommend it though. I think it's a great comedy. Okay, so then um, I was determined before I left home that I was going to show my entire family 2001 A Space Odyssey. And I showed it to them. Um, mixed mixed reactions. I think none of them were particular fans of it. I know my dad absolutely hated it. Um, he was shaking his head the entire way through. Um, and then the usual response from my sisters and my mom that just it was just kind of boring and nothing really happened. And I, you know, I completely get that. Like that's kind of my complaint with the movie too, but when the movie is just this monumental and really groundbreaking even as you're watching it today, I think it's a, and I I said to them that there is no reason why you need that you need to like this movie, but it's one you have to watch. Um because as a family we were always into movies and the fact that we had they had never seen this before 
you know, they, it, that, I feel like this movie transcended them to actually being really into movies. Um, so I'm glad that they stuck through with it, though. I know my dad um, left in the middle uh, to go to the bathroom, and then he spent like 20 minutes upstairs just doing something, and then he came back down and he finished it. So I'm, I'm super glad that they all stuck through with it. Um, yeah. That's all I have to say about 2001. I think it's a great movie. When I watched it, like, I literally had watched it a month, bef two months before I watched it again, and it was still amazing. So, I love that movie. Then, um, so this winter break, part of the reason why I didn't record any of this stuff is I had a lot of extended family come over, and one of my cousins came over first, and I showed him super bad because he had never seen it before. He really liked it. And then when we were watching the movie, my sister was like, this is typical guy comedy. And, and, and it is. But it's also like very much the subversion of that at the end. Um, so I feel like if she watched it through, she might think differently. Um, but yeah, I love this movie. It's it's one of the defining comedies of my generation and of her generation. Surprisingly, she had never seen it before. Um, but yeah. So I really love Superbad. The... There are some directions where this movie, well, like especially when they get to that party, um, like the one where, <laughs> um, the one where Jonah Hill gets something on his pants. I think that scene is far too long, um, and just some of it is just not necessary. Especially when Michael Sarah is singing, I'm like, this is funny, but there's no point in this scene being here, um, and it's not that funny. Where I'm like, okay. Okay, then I watched, rewatched Dunkirk. Also showed my cousin that. I really like Dunkirk. This movie gets better each time I watch it. Um, just ugh, one of the technical achievements of the decade, of the past decade, I think. Um, and yeah, it is definitely Nolan's most tight movie. I would say the one thing that holds it back, because it's really hard to find. A complaint with this movie but the one thing that holds it back is that it's just not as memorable as his other stuff like it doesn't leave you thinking um which is something that old movies usually do so yeah i love dunkirk and then then i watched avatar the way of water because my cousin wanted to watch it i had to also going to the theaters in dubai is like one of the best experiences highly recommend and so I know I had to watch movies in the theater before I left. And it was Avatar The Way of Water. I didn't like it. I think it's a really weak story. I think the characters are still very boring. Um, the visuals are great. Like, they are very good. Thinking back on it now, I'm like, I have not seen a movie like this. And it, there's definitely some sort of um, credit that goes to James Cameron in that way. But... You know, there's just, like, the high frame rate also really pissed me off. But also, yeah, this movie's just not interesting. It's three hours and 12 minutes long. And, yeah, and the focus on the kids, and they're not interesting at all. Uh, yeah, this movie did not work for me at all. Um, not at all. I think the visuals are pretty cool. And the action scenes are kind of fun. But other than that, it's just not a good movie. Okay, then I rewatched Munabai, MBBS. I really like this movie. Um, it's a re it's a Bollywood remake of Patch Adams, and it's far better than Patch Adams. 
And I, I really like this movie. I think it's super well written. I think the pace and the comedic timing of the whole cast is amazing. Some of the best characters ever. So yeah, I love this movie. It used to be in my top 100, but it is no longer. Then I rewatched The Goonies, also to show my cousin. And this movie rocks every single time. Um, my cousin wasn't a huge fan. Like, he liked it, but he didn't understand why me and my sister liked it so much. And she said that maybe you need to watch it when you were a kid. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. Um, but still, it's still a pretty fun adventure comedy. Um, and, you know, seeing Kihui, Kihui Kwan uh, then and now, it's pretty, pretty great. So yeah, The Goonies is amazing. Okay, then I watched Glass Onion with my family again. Very polarizing opinions. Um, my family thought it was boring. They thought it was nothing to do with a murder mystery. And they, uh, let me say, they liked the first one a lot. And they thought the movie was a waste of time. I didn't think the movie was a waste of time. I actually kind of liked it. Um, I liked what the movie was doing. But I can definitely see where they're coming from. And given how, I know when during its festival run it was getting a lot of love and now it's just getting this like somewhat muddled response. So I can see both sides of the argument. I still think it's pretty fun. I didn't think it was boring. I don't know what they were saying there because um, it's still funny and still entertaining even though it kind of gets bonkers. Um, and the cast is, works really well as an ensemble. Um, but yeah, the turns this thing takes, it's really fun. So I would recommend watching Glass Onion. It's a good time. Then I rewatched Barbarian to show my sister, who is also into war movies. Um, we kind of got into a discussion, and she and she was like, "Well, actually, I don't want to give away the movie at all." So, um, and I was like, "That's the point. Like the fact that you don't agree with stuff that happened is the thesis statement of the movie." Then I rewatched The Dark Knight to to confirm that Mulholland All Drive was my favorite. And I gotta tell you, when I rewatch this movie, it's it's a good movie. Like it's it's still so good. It's still a ten out of ten for so many reasons. Um, yeah, it's it's so much fun. It's such a good movie. But it's that this time it also made me realize that this movie is not doing anything else. Like there's no meat to grab onto and sink your teeth in and be like, okay, what is what is this trying to say? What is this meaning? Like, it's just a very straightforward movie at the end of the day. Um, so that, it, I think it kind of confirmed then that Mulholland Drive was my favorite, but I had to rewatch that to be fair as well, which I did, so I'll talk about that later. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's still an amazing movie. I still love it and will always be my first favorite movie. Okay, then we rewatched Lagiroho Munabai, which is the second Munabai movie. And it's good, like, it's still a Munapai movie, means the characters are great, the message is great, um, and it's a massive improvement technically from the first, it's just because they had a higher budget and they could do more stuff. Um, but it's it felt a bit aimless compared to the first one, Just and seeing as we just had seen the first one, like, comparing the two very close together, like, the second one did not do as much for me as the first one does. Um, it's still a good movie, I think, that... It's a compilation of good scenes rather than a cohesive movie, which I think the first one is just like a very directed 
like a very pointed movie where you have a beginning, middle, end character change. In this one, it's just like, okay, let's hang out with these old people some more. Oh, but also we have Gandhi involved. So, I don't know. I don't know. And that was the first movie I watched in 2023, which is interesting. Okay, then I watched Decision to Leave. Um, I really liked this. I really did. I think there's so much style involved in this movie. It's Sorry, it's a Korean film uh, released by Park Chan-wook. I actually realized I haven't been telling you anything like logistically about the movies that I had been watching. But that's okay. We're here to catch up. Next week, we will return to form. Um, with the, the way this podcast is supposed to work. But here I'm just trying to catch you guys up. So decision to leave, um, you know, if you don't want it to be spoiled to a certain degree, but it is just a more fleshed out, bigger version of Double Indemnity um, for so many reasons, actually. There's so much, so many parallels. But I think it's one of the most romantic movies to be released in 2022, the cinematography and editing are always entertaining. The camera is always doing something interesting, and the editing keeps a really great pace. And then it takes a while for all of it to like sink in and click. Like I had to wait till like halfway to the movie. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what you're trying to do. That's what you're trying to say. That's where the plot's going. Um, and at the in the ending is amazing. I think it's one of the most haunting and romantic endings of all not of all time, but of um, the past few years. Um, but at the end, you just realize that it ran for a bit too long. Um, we could have gone to this point a bit earlier. But I loved I not I didn't love it, but I really liked it. Decision to leave. Okay. Then I watched All Quiet on the Western Front. Had to catch up on the 2022 movies that I had missed. And this movie's good. Um, it does everything right on the surface, tells a good story, it shows how war is really bad, <laughs> um, and it, it holds your attention, but you're just like, it feels so, I, I think cliche is the wrong word, but it feels so just, like you've seen it before, that it just doesn't remain interesting, and there's like this whole diplomatic subplot with Daniel Bruhl, that I get why it's there, but it just really doesn't do much for me. And, um, yeah, it could have expanded its, like, wartime characters a bit more. I was also, like, weirdly confused in the movie, which I don't think was supposed to happen. But, anyways. Okay, then I watched After Sun, probably, like, one of my most anticipated missed 2022 movies. And I gotta say, this movie was didn't do much for me. It's a reflective movie for sure. It's kind of like After Yang in a way because they're looking at memories and there's like little vignettes. Um, but the emotional payoff is very understated and I get why people like that. That's like kind of the trend these days. But it's just too understated. Like the, we have to have some sort of emotional eruption seen on screen, right? Or like something. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then it comes off as knowing more than you. Like, yeah, that's definitely the feeling I got from this movie is just that it's, it's like, oh, look how cool I am, even though I'm still telling a really poignant story. That's, that's the way it feels. And then there's like a weird sense of showmanship, especially with that's like home video footage and stuff, which really worked sometimes, but oftentimes it just felt forced. 
Um, and then I said that maybe these modern art house memory recollection reconstruction movies don't work for me. Um, referring to the souvenir and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I can see why this movie gets a lot of attention, is getting a lot of attention. Um, and I'm excited to see what the director does next, Charlotte Wells. So it piqued my interest, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, especially if you're not like into art house stuff. Okay, then I watched one of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time, like new movie that I've seen in a long time. And it was a Duck Soup, released in 1933. This movie is so funny. It zips through its runtime, which is also only 70 minutes, but it goes through its runtime so quickly. It stays so incredibly funny. There's such a good combination of like funny dialogue, funny one-liners, and also really like Charlie Chaplin-like gags. Um, yeah, I really, really liked it. Highly recommend if you want to watch a classic comedy because it it appealed to me. I'm sure it's gonna appeal it appealed to me, and I'm sure it'll appeal to other people in my generation. But yeah, I really liked it. Um, and the I thought the ending was it was not as funny. And some of the jokes obviously haven't aged well, but it's a good movie otherwise. Okay, then I watched Enter the Dragon with my dad, um, just because I had never seen a Bruce Lee movie before, um, and I didn't really like it. To a, I liked it to a certain degree, but also just it was kind of boring. Um, Bruce Lee, you can definitely get the sense of a star power, especially in the last twenty minutes. Um, and there's just not enough silly kung fu in this goofy kung fu movie for, for it to be entertaining. Like, I thought there was going to be a scene every 10 minutes, especially after the way it starts. But a lot of it is just him, like, snooping around. And then this gets weirdly dark. I don't know. It's just weird. Um, but yeah, I'm glad I watched it, but I wouldn't recommend it. Okay, then I watched Bones and All. Um... Luca Guadagnino's most recent release, and you know, Timmy had to come in 2022 somewhere. Another cannibal movie. Uh, Timmy does a really good job. He really does know what he's doing, which is, which is great, whether you like him or not. Uh, and then it's everything you want out of a horror romance because it's, it turns out to be far more romantic and sweet than it is gross, even though some scenes are really, really gross. Um, so I think as a whole, this movie is really good. I also really liked the score, um, from Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. So that was great. Mark Rylance's performance is really, really good. It seems like it should be in a different movie, though, because there's no reason that this threat should be this scary. Well, it's, like, really about being an outcast. But anyways, so the thing I didn't like about this movie, and it's the thing that Raw kind of did, but it also kind of makes sense why they did in Raw. But there's like the cannibalism is like needlessly sexualized. Like it's seen like okay, for example, in Sounds of the Lambs, we know that Hannibal Lecter in any Hannibal movie, sorry, we know Hannibal Lecter is a cannibal. And but the way that they portray it is that it it's his sustenance. Like that's how he eats fine dining meal or something but this one it's kind of like how they get off right like it doesn't feel like that that's what they need to eat and um, that's what the ending in raw did really well that it, it kind of like brought back the whole sexual nature of the movie 
but this one it was just I don't know it just felt very very needlessly sexualized um and it's kind of a fantasy world because sometimes they introduce like a threat of them being found out and sometimes it's like non-existent whatsoever when Timmy's just walking around with blood in his mouth um, and then it, it just really makes you wonder at the end of the day if those really graphic scenes were just there for the hell of it, which is not a good thing. Um, but yeah, it's a hard movie to recommend. I don't think I would recommend it to many people, unless you're a big fan of Timothy Chalamet um, or Luca Guadagnino. So yeah. Okay, then I watched X, um, a horror movie from 2022. Pearl was its prequel and then its sequel was coming out, Maxine. Um, this movie is good. I think it has a lot of good qualities. I think the aesthetic is really nice. I think what it's saying is very nuanced um, and something that we haven't seen before, which is nice. But it just never manages you manage, manages to get you invested. Like, for some reason, I was never attached because even the characters are pretty good. But you like, never care about them. The final scenes with like all the gore and, and, and the killing and stuff seems so cheap because of how, like how pensive the setup is, that you don't expect that explosion at the end. Um, yeah, I don't know. I also oh, okay, but one thing I have to mention about this movie is that the landslide scene when Brittany Snow is singing landslide, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay, then I rewatched Django Unchained, also to show my sisters. They both really enjoyed it. I love this movie. Nothing that hasn't been said already. Um, so glad that I watched this now, though, because after taking my genres class and we studied westerns, I'm like this this movie's pretty smart. So, yeah, I love it. It's in my top ten, I think, top fifteen for sure. Um, so yeah. Then I watched The Color of Money. This movie is, like, very underwhelming. Um, not interesting. Not interesting, not at all, but it's just not worth the time, I think. Um, it starts interesting, Tom, but Tom Cruise is... I mean, I get why people... If, if there was a reason... If there was an example to point to on why people hate Tom Cruise, like, this performance and character would be the exact thing that they would identify. Because it's everything that's bad about Tom Cruise and everything that's bad about this character. Um, it's very, he's very annoying. Um, of course, though, Paul Newman commands the screen. Uh, I think the scenes when they're actually paying, playing pool are very well edited and very well shot. It is a Scorsese movie, after all. Um, and The Hustler is on my watch list, so I'm excited to watch it because I really liked Paul Newman. Okay, then I watched The Woman King with my mom because she wanted to watch this movie for a long time, and I also did too. Um, I think we both were somewhat underwhelmed. I still liked it. I still would still recommend it because it's... If, well, first of all, if you like Black Panther, especially if you like Wakanda Forever, you are going to like this movie. Um, it's It has some really good performances and some really good action. I think whole, the whole dramatic story, looking back on it, works well. Um, but the entire movie just like feels like the first act of a six-hour movie. And I, and I say that, it doesn't even feel like the first movie in a series. It feels like literally the first act of a six-hour long movie. Because so much of it 
especially like the first 75% of this movie is character and narrative exposition and stylistically it's just like very basic so it's a bit underwhelming um the performances and the action make it worthwhile so i'd recommend it sorry i'm going through these fast um looks like we'll not get into my top 10 top 15 but i'll give you a movie to keep on your radar which is coming up very soon okay then i watched traitor a random movie with starring don Cheadle. Um, it was good. It was it was a run like it was a classic two thousand eight anti terrorism movie, with some added benefit of it being culture of, of it being sensitive to Islam, and Muslims. So that's there. Okay, then I watched RRR. So let me let me paint the picture. So I watched RRR. I knew I had I wanted to watch it because of the buzz it was it was getting. And then my parents also wanted to watch it. My sisters not were not so interested. And the point was that my sister was supposed to do work in this movie so that she could have time to watch another movie with me. But we were all so engrossed in this movie. And yeah, it has some genuinely eye-rolling moments and like the melodramatic scenes, some serious issues in like physics and logic. Um, but it's one of the most entertaining movies of that was released last year. So this is the movie to keep on your radar if you haven't seen it already. Like, really, really love all the love that it's been getting from the West. Um, yeah, yeah, I really liked it, um, even though it was kind of silly. Uh, the family consensus was, and I quote, kind of stupid, but also really liked it. So this is the movie to keep on your radar. Okay, then we watched Beast, like a ripoff of Jurassic Park. Let's move on to Mulholland Drive, a rewatch of Mulholland Drive. So yes, it did confirm it's my new favorite movie, and my sister was watching it with me, um, and she wasn't, it's not that she didn't like it, but she didn't think it was as, like she didn't agree with the fact that it was as good as I said it was. Um, and watching it again, I was kind of afraid of the novelty wearing off, because of the you know last half an hour come kicking in, but the fact that you know that it's connect that it's coming, not only makes you pay attention way more to the stuff that comes before, but also makes it when it, when that twist so to sort of to say um, does come, that it, it rewards you for that experience because she said that it'll, and and I noticed she was getting bored halfway, and I was like, are you sure you want to continue? Like it's and she's like, oh, is it just like this? Because a lot of the first part of the movie is just meandering, and then it can be a lot of just meandering when it's just really a really careful deconstruction of um, the industry of Hollywood. So, yeah, I love it. I think it's amazing. And then um, on the plane ride back, I watched Shrek 2 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Shrek 2 is one of the best romantic comedies of all time. I'm not saying that to be facetious and be like, oh my god, Shrek 2, to be like offbeat or something. It is truly one of the funniest and the most one of the most romantic movies ever made. Um, and the speed and rate at which this spews out pop culture references is insane. It's, it's crazy. Um, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah, I've kind of figured out that this is the perfect plane movie because it's, it's a hangout movie 
It's dazed and confused in that way. It's it it really is Tarantino's dazed and confused. Um, but something about it is very magnetic. You like you enjoy being in the world, um, in the, enjoy being in the world the characters are in. So yeah, I realized that I had to watch this for class later on in the semester. I don't know why I watched it on the plane, but such is life. And then yesterday I watched two weeks in another town for my new Hollywood cinema class. It was boring. It wasn't too interesting. I get why we watched it for, like, the death of classical cinema. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of boring. So I wouldn't recommend that movie. So that's my long um, and slightly, not slightly, like, very muddled review of the movies I watched past month. Sorry for that. Next week we'll be back on track. Um, and so see you later. And... Tomorrow I'll be watching Babylon, and on Mon- on Tuesday, I think, you will see my uh, reactions to the Oscar nominations um, on my Instagram page. See you later.